Now I will read from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And I'm reading verses 6 through 15. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out saying, This is He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. That ends the reading. Please be seated. Well, my name is uh, Pastor Dave, and it's my pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, you know, as we uh, just finished up our series, Love is Why We're Here, um, I was thinking it's about that time of year, right? You know, it's the time of year that um, the stores have started offering Christmas things, right? And there are two types of people in the world, those who are like, can we sing Christmas songs now? Right? Any of those? All right, five, all right. And those that are like, no! I am not ready for Christmas. Right? And maybe you'll get psyched up for it like December 23rd. Right? Any of those? All right, we have some of those too, right? And and so there's, but you know what? Regardless, the stores have decided their profit margins will be better if they start to sell the stuff now. So they're selling it. It's there. You can get your eggnog lattes already at Starbucks, right? Doesn't matter if it's 80 degrees outside. They're ready for it. And so it's that time of year. And so normally this time of year we'll do a series like the prophecies that were predicting Jesus coming or or, you know, we'll go through all of the different things about Christmas, getting ready for it. And I, and I thought, you know what? I don't ever remember ever in my 26 years of pastoral ministry doing a sermon series on John the Baptist. And his, his whole purpose was preparing us for Jesus. So I thought, hey, what a good thing. So we're going to be spending the next several weeks talking about John the Baptist, whose role was to prepare for the coming of Christ. John the Baptist got started in his um, ministry. We don't know exact dates. Um, the Bible tells us in Luke 3, it says it was the 15th year of Tiberius's reign. The problem is historians don't know exactly when Tiberius's reign started. There's some disagreement. So sometime in the year 27 and 29, so a couple of years before Jesus's public ministry, John the Baptist started. And he preached a gospel of repentance. He basically said, repent, be baptized, get ready because someone is coming. Someone greater than me. It's the promised Messiah that we've been waiting for all these years. And that was the message 
of John the Baptist to get ready. And so we're going we're gonna to be digging into some more details of his life and what his message really was in his ministry. But this morning, I really just want to focus on the idea that John the Baptist was a man sent from God. Anyone ever been sent on a mission? Right? Our, our veterans were, were um, that we are so grateful and thankful for. You all were sent, right? You were, you were sent to, to, first to boot camp, which I'm sure was a glorious experience, right? And then beyond that, you were usually sent to either a station somewhere or on a mission. And you were sent, you, you go. Where you're sent, you go. And, and um, that happens to me occasionally. I get sent on a mission to the grocery store. By the boss, right? And um, so you get sent to the grocery store. And what we've discovered um, is that I'm really bad on this mission. This is not the best mission for me. Because here's what happens. Um, we've figured out that the grocery store is filled with food. Did you know this? And so this is what happens. I go on my mission and I've got my list. Or I, a lot of times I'll have the list in my head. Either It doesn't matter. If it's written down or in my head, it still, it still ends in failure. But, um, so this is what happens. I get my list and I'm very task oriented. So the first item on my list, carry gold butter. So I walk straight to the refrigerated section. I know right where the butter is. I grab the carry gold butter. I put it in my basket. I'm like, yes, success. The problem is right next to the carry gold butter, gluten free chocolate chip cookies. These are not on my list. But I look at the gluten-free chocolate chip cookies and I decide, these are delicious. I can bake these myself. It says right here, you can bake it yourself. Very simple. I just put it in. And now I put those in my basket. Not a big deal, just one extra item. No big deal, right? The problem is, I spend now the next 15 minutes I'm walking around the store distracted because I'm thinking about the gluten-free chocolate chip cookies I'm going to make when I get home. And then inevitably I see something else that distracts me. And so... Even though I'm sent on this particular mission, I usually end up failing. I usually end up forgetting one or two or never as many as six, but probably five things. So I want to talk about a little different kind of sent, though. Not sent like away. Because I think when we talk about being sent from God, we, we have a tendency to think of God send me on the mission field or something like that. In fact, there was a song back in the 80s. Um, I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. Um, it's by a guy named Scott Wesley Brown. And it was called, Please Don't Send Me to Africa. Here's the, here's the words. Lord, oh Lord, I'm your willing servant. You know I have been for years. I sit in this pew every Sunday and Wednesday. I've stained it with many a tear. I've given you years of my service. I've always given my best. I've never asked you for anything much. So Lord, I deserve this request. Please don't send me to Africa. I don't think I've got what it takes. I'm just a man. I'm not Tarzan. I don't like lions, gorillas, or snakes. I'll serve you here in suburbia in my comfortable middle-class life. But please don't send me out in the bush where the natives are restless at night. Right? And we all have kind of this, this is a tongue-in-cheek song. It's a joke. But we all have this idea that, you know, God is going to send us somewhere. And that may be the case. God may call you to ministry in Haiti or to go on a trip to India or th things like that. But I believe firmly, and I believe what I want to talk about here where God did with John the Baptist is God sends all of us. 
He sends us to exactly where we are in life. He sends you to the family that you're in, that you're a part of. He sends you to the neighborhood you live in. He sends you to the job that you have or, or to the, the social network that you're a part of. And John the Baptist was a man who was sent by God to just live the life that he was. And his whole purpose in this life was he was called to be a witness. A witness is, is someone that, that kind of tells about something, right? And we all, we all do this instinctually. Has anyone ever witnessed something, um, like amazing? You, you, something in your life happened or you met someone who was like a superstar and you were just so excited. Anyone? Boy, the rest of you have boring lives. All right. Certainly you have, we all, we all have come across something outstanding in our life, right? And what happens when we do, inevitably, is what do we do? We tell people about it. I remember, um, you all know because I talk about it regularly, and uh, I can actually brag this week because the Miami Dolphins are on a winning streak. It's true, true story. And we beat the worst team, you know, Satan's team, basically, the New York Jets. So, we're doing God's work. Um, <clears throat> I say we as though I'm a part of the Miami Dolphins. But um, when I was a kid growing up, I was a huge Dolphin fan like I am now. And I remember um, my dad took me to some event. I, I don't even really remember what it was. I think it was like a softball game. And the Miami Dolphins were there playing softball. Was it a softball game, Dad? Do you remember? Yeah, you're old. It's okay. All right. Um, I think it was a softball game. And we're at this softball game, and I had this Miami Dolphins banner in my room, and I brought the banner, and I got all the Dolphins to sign it. I met Bob Baumhauer. He was like the biggest guy I'd ever seen in my life. Dolphins defensive tackle, you know. I met Kim Bo Camper. They were all named B. Bob Brzezinski, they all had B names, the defensive players. I met Tony Nathan. He was like the fastest guy I'd ever met. I saw him running the bases. It was amazing. You know, and I got all these, all these signatures. Bob Greasy was there, Hall of Famer. And, and I was just super excited. And, and so what did I do? For weeks, probably for years, I told everyone about my best friends, the Miami Dolphin football players that I met. Because that's what we do when we see and experience something we amazing, we talk about it. And here's, here's the really, truly remarkable thing about John the Baptist, right? He's called, he's sent, and we find out, and we're going to talk about this more as we get into this series, but we find out that even though John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, he had never met him. He's being a witness and talking about this amazing person who's coming, who's better than I'm ever, I could ever be. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And he never even met him. He's talking about Jesus. He's witnessing. He's sharing about this fact. And so he is, he's sent, he's, he, as he goes through life, he gathers these disciples. And, and John does such a good job with these disciples because, right, the jo what he's on this mission to do is he's on a mission to proclaim the name of Jesus. And when he meets Jesus for the very first time, he says, look, there he is, the Lamb of God who's come into the world. And you know what happens? John's disciples leave him. And go follow Jesus. It's amazing. 
And you might think, oh, he did a bad job. He lost all his disciples. No, that's exactly what he was supposed to do, right? That's what disciple making truly is. It's not, you know, it's not me saying, hey, Kit, hey, come follow me, Kit. Come follow me. Uh, you can be my disciple. Come follow me. No, it's, it's hey, Kit, I'm going to chase after Jesus. Will you chase after Jesus with me? That's, that's what discipleship is. And so when John sees Jesus for the first time, and he points him out, he's done such a good job witnessing and telling people about Jesus that all his disciples immediately leave and go follow Jesus. It's amazing. So John is sent by God. He's sent as a witness, and he's, ultimately he was sent to show people, here in this scripture, he's sent to show people the light. Anyone ever uh, been in a cave? Oh, a lot of you. Okay. Well, when you go when you go in a cave, it's it's really kind of cool. You get in the cave, and obviously it's dark. And once you get about I don't know twenty feet in the cave, it's completely dark. You have complete darkness. If there's not a an exit where light is coming in, it is complete and total darkness. If you don't have a light, you can have your hand right in front of your face. You can't see it. So when I was in college, I really got into caving. I went caving a lot, and I, I pretty much always went with my friend Rob Wackus. And we would, we would go caving together. And uh, this one time we brought our friend Alex. And Rob and I, you know, we were veteran cavers. We were experienced. We didn't have the fancy headlamps, but we always had, we always carried lights with us. And we always, you know, make Doug Parker, uh, Boy Scout, proud. You know, we always had backup ones, right? Always be prepared. So we always had backup flashlights. And I had this big waterproof one that I would carry. It was a big one. And so I would usually lead because mine was really big and bright. And I would carry that one, and then, and then, you know, Rob would always have two. He had two little ones because he liked, they were easy to hold. And, and then our friend Alex only had one because he was just along for the ride with us. But, so we go caving, and, and we would sometimes go for like three or four hours, explore this cave. It was this huge cave, and um, a lot of fun. And, and we got in there, and we'd probably been in there for a couple hours. We were pretty far back, and all of a sudden, my, my light stopped working. So I did, you know, the natural thing. Like how you fix lights, you shake it really hard, and it didn't. It didn't get fixed. I, I don't know why. Um, so I shook it again. It didn't work. So I was like, "No big deal. I've got my trusty backup." So I reach in my pocket, pull out my trusty backup, but no light comes out of this light. I'm like, "What's wrong?" Open it up. No batteries in my backup. So I was prepared. Sort of. I had my backup flashlight. I just didn't put batteries in the backup flashlight. So I've got no light. No big deal. We still got two other guys with lights. Rob has a backup too, right? He's got his two. So we keep going. We're like, hey, we're, we're getting low on lights. Maybe we, we head back, you know, the couple hours it's going to take us back towards the, uh, the exit. And, and then all of a sudden Alex's light goes out like five minutes later. So now we just have two lights between the three of us. And then Rob's backup light fails. So now we got one light. We just have one light. And sometimes when you're in a cave, um, you go through tight places and you got to crawl. And so it's hard because, you know, one person might be 10 feet up in front of you. And when they're 10 feet away with a light, you can't see at all. And so you would have to go forward and then you'd have to kind of shine your light back to show them the light just so you could find your way out. And that's kind of the mission that John the Baptist has, right? 
Jesus, it says, is the light. He's the light of the world, the light that shines in the darkness. And John's whole role is to point the world to the light. He's trying to tell people, he's like, hey, repent, get ready. Go to the light. Jesus is coming. He's going to be the the light of the world. He's going to shine. In fact, I I actually literally just remembered they said, don't stand on this side because the lights aren't working. Go away over here so people can actually see you. Because when you're in the light, all of a sudden people can see you better. I literally just forgot that. Thank you for reminding me, Kathy. And so, Jesus, the light of the world. John is pointing people to him saying, go to the light. And that's, that's not just a mission that John the Baptist was called to. It's a, it's a mission that we're all called to. And so I want to start with this. A couple of questions for ourselves. Where is it that God has sent you? I firmly believe that God has placed each and every one of us in the places he has us in life for a reason. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 are very famous passage of scripture, right? For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. A lot of us are familiar with that. And one of my favorite verses is the very next verse. It says, for we are God's workmanship, or, or better translated, we're God's masterpiece. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. In other words, God has made you and created you and given you the experiences and gifts he has specifically given you so that in your life, where you're sent, or better, where you are, you're called to point people to the light, like John the Baptist. God has you where he has you for a reason. There's a, a campus ministry called Campus Crusade. It's uh, particularly for college students. And uh, it's now it goes by the name Crew. Um, they call it Crew now. And anyone familiar with that? Heard of that before? A few of you, right? And I really love what they do. One of the things they do with these college kids is they, is they help them develop this mindset. In fact, they refer to all the people in the group as sent ones. In other words, you don't have to be a a pastor or a missionary or a professional Christian, quote unquote. You are all sent ones. You are all called and sent into whatever that you go into out of college. Whether you're a, a, a barber or a soldier or a pilot, or an accountant, or whatever you are, wherever you go in life, you are sent by God. Just like John the Baptist. God has you in that context, in that place and time in history, for a reason. And so, God has you where he has you, and so, how are you witnessing where you're sent? How is it that you are pointing people like John the Baptist to the amazing one we know about, Jesus Christ? How are you doing that? Some people say, well, well, Pastor Dave, I, I don't know what words to say or what I would tell people about Jesus. This is what the, the Bible has to tell us about that. It says that we should be ready, all of us, in season and out of season, to give an account for the hope that is within us. 
In other words, whether you are super excited about God at the time and everything's great in your relationship with Him and you're quote-unquote on fire or whether you're struggling, you're always called to, to share the hope you have within you, to talk about the amazing thing that you've witnessed, which is Jesus in your life. And you don't have to do that by standing on a, a street corner or with, with the right or eloquent words. You can simply do that by how you live your life a lot of times. Right? Here at Advent, we say love is why we're here. We're called to share the love of Christ. One of the very best ways you can point people to Jesus, like John the Baptist did, is by loving them well. It's by sharing his love with the world with your family, with your coworkers, Inevitably, they're going to notice something different about you and ask a question. And you can answer it. But God has you where he has you for a reason. And so how are you a witness in the context that God has you in? And finally, are you pointing people to the light? Are you, are you shining a light in the darkness? Are you pointing people to Jesus in your life? I want to close with a story about someone who has impacted my life greatly. And um, You may have heard of a guy by the name of Jack Wurtson. Jack Wurtson was the founder of the Word of Life Bible Institute up in Scroon Lake, New York. Um, out of the way, way up there. But Jack Wurtson... Um, would run these uh, camps. They had a, a school up there. It's a one-year Bible school. It's really designed for people out of high school or between college and seminary or, or wherever to go for a year and get Bible training and then to go sent wherever they are in life, whether they're going into ministry or whether they're going into ministry as a construction worker. Wherever they are, right, they're, you're, we're, all, we're all sent to be on mission for God. And so... Jack Wurtson um, impacted me tremendously simply by how much he loved Jesus. I remember uh, going to a camp for the first time. I went several times, and, and they had this uh, week-long summer camp. And I was there. We had a bunch of students there. And uh, he was going to speak on the book of John. He was going to make his way through the book of John. And he opened the Bible up on the, on the first day. Uh, they had like three sessions a day. So he was going to like go through, I don't know, a chapter each session. Um, and then, you know, all week long, three a day. So that would get you through the 21 chapters of John. So this is how far he got into the book of John. He read John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let me tell you a story. That's as far as Jack Wurtson got. He, he was a storyteller. He wasn't necessarily a great expositor of Scripture. But the thing about Jack was the, his love of Jesus just shone through. So much so that when I went for the first time as a 19-year-old, I carried a picture of this old man around in my wallet. People would say, oh, is that your grandpa? I would say, no, it's this guy, Jack Wurtson. I don't know, he's awesome. I carried it around in my wallet because it impacted me that much. And he told a story about how wherever he was, he would point people to Jesus. 
He, he told stories all week about being on airplanes and he'd be on an airplane and the person next to him would say, oh, that's a cool picture. Let me tell you about Jesus. You know, wherever he was. He told a story one time about how he actually was on a missions trip in Africa. And there was this like raised, they had, it was an area where they, the waters would come up really high. So all the houses were built up like on stilts. And, and so they were built on these stilts and there was a man who crawled under one of the houses to get something that was under there. And when he was under there, he got a, attacked by a, a giant constrictor snake of some type. It bit him and it wrapped around him. And so they were going under there to, to, to help him, to rescue this guy from a snake. Jack Wurtson crawled under and shared the gospel, the message of Jesus with this guy and led him to Christ while he was being killed by a snake. They, they rescued him. He got out. But anyways, you know, just everywhere in his life, he was pointing people to the light. And that's what we're called to do, right? The very last thing Jesus says is he's, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. That's the last words, the last command he really left us with. That's what we call it the great commandment. The great commission, excuse me. Because we're, we're called. And, and a better way to translate that than go is really as you are going. In other words, you don't have to go to Africa or Haiti or India or on a missions trip or, or wherever to share the news of Jesus. It's more as you are going through life. Wherever God has sent you, wherever he has placed you, point people to Jesus. Just like any amazing story, Jesus is a hero. He rescued us from sin and death. That's the most amazing story I've ever heard. Someone who rescued the entire world. And so in your life, in your relationships, wherever you're going, share this amazing story of Jesus. Point people to the light. Amen. Comes back up. Let me, uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, you have given us this great example in the person of John the Baptist. He wasn't perfect. In fact, we're going to find out in a couple of weeks, he, he even had his doubts. We read in, in Mark 11 when he was, or Matthew 11, when he was in prison, he sent his disciples to say, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Or should we look for someone else? But yet, God, you used him in amazing ways. But simple ways. As he walked through life, he was just on a mission to share your message, to point people to the light. Father God, by your grace, help us to do the very same. That as we walk through this life, you would help us to point people to you. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen.